Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's Wednesday, May 4th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Learn how Steamfitters can benefit your business at steamfitters-602.org. Here are the local stories we're working on. Thousands protested in front of the Supreme Court last night after a leaked opinion draft showed the court is poised to overturn Roe. We talked to an American University professor, Jessica Waters, about what this means for abortion laws in our area. Up and down the East Coast, we are going to have a huge influx into places like D.C., currently Virginia, Maryland. And a tick that could cause you to develop an allergy to red meat is biting more people in our area. Entomologist Mike Raup explains. And it's actually become the most common tick we're finding. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Megan Cloherty. It's a leak that's sending ripples throughout our region. As thousands gathered in front of the Supreme Court last night, most were pro-abortion rights activists. I am distressed, distraught, irritated, furious that we are out here doing this again. There's just no excuse for this. I do not believe that anyone other than a woman and perhaps an intimate partner should be deciding what goes on with us. Anti-abortion protesters were also there, but in smaller numbers. The two groups clashed. I stood for the sanctity of life two years ago when I protested um, that Black Lives Matter, and I stand for the sanctity of life today um, when I say Black Babies Lives Matter as well to God. Despite the leaked draft opinion from the Supreme Court having no legal bearing, as it's not a decision, it's ignited a social and political firestorm. In short, access to an abortion, a federal right for 50 years, could evaporate in a few months. Many states have trigger laws in place that would immediately change state law if Roe is overturned. But where do abortion laws in our region stand? And for that, we turn to Professor Jessica Waters. She's dean of undergraduate education at American University and an expert on reproductive rights law. So let's start with trigger laws. These are laws that are passed by state legislatures that basically ban abortions only if Roe is overturned. So, Jessica, are there any trigger laws in the D.C. region? So... When we think about trigger laws and we think about the future of the right to access abortion following what is very likely a Supreme Court decision that will track Justice Alito's leaked draft opinion, we will likely see roughly 26 states, if not more, almost immediately ban or restrict abortion. That is not in the immediate D.C. area, but there is one in place in West Virginia. So not Virginia, Maryland or D.C., but West Virginia does have the ability to immediately uh, ban or restrict abortion. And so if the law does end up changing and there is that change in West Virginia, there could still be an effect on our area as many women who can't get abortions there will travel here. Um, What does that mean? I mean, as far as resources, as far as how these states could prepare, if at all, I mean, is that is that something that's on the minds of abortion clinics or in the conversation right now? Absolutely. We are about to enter an era where the ability to access abortion care is going to be dependent on the state in which you live and how much money you have. We also know when we look at pre-Roe statistics 
that even when abortion is not legal, women find ways to access abortion care because they need it. This is not hypothetical because we just saw this in Texas. When the Texas ban went into effect, we saw thousands of women streaming out of Texas and into the nearby state of Oklahoma. They saw almost a 2,000% increase in women leaving Texas and going to Oklahoma to access abortion care. Would North Carolina, would that affect Virginia? So I think what we will see is that where we have states where abortion remains protected and legal, we're going to see women from all over the country streaming. I don't think it's just going to be neighboring states. I think it's going to be, you know, up and down the East Coast, we are going to have a huge influx into places like D.C., currently Virginia, Maryland, places like New York. Um, We'll see that on both coasts, I think. Right. And you mentioned D.C. there. And D.C. is not a state. We know that very well here. And because of that, we have city officials who make decisions, but Congress and the federal government actually can make decisions here. So if Roe is overturned and the federal government is controlled by, you know, Republicans, is there a chance that, you know, the current abortion laws in D.C. could change? Yeah, this one is a bit murky, um, but there is reason to be scared, right? Because we know that in the past, the federal government has interfered in D.C.'s ability to, for example, fund abortion care for low-income women. So there is precedent of the federal government acting in that way. How far they could go with other abortion restrictions is a little bit unclear, but certainly there can be interference and there is reason to be very concerned that we would see that overstepping. And the concern being, I mean, just to keep it not political, if even possible, the people of D.C. have chosen that to be the law of the land for them. So it, it, it goes against the whole idea, in my mind, of the Supreme Court saying, if they do decide this, this should be a state right if D.C. Mm-hmm. isn't even getting that right to decide for itself. This certainly goes to the question of D.C. statehood, right? But, but the question of local versus federal control, yes, there does seem to be a disconnect if the federal government were to regulate access to abortion care in D.C. That seems to fly in the face of this principle of, of local versus federal control. And just to review, what are kind of the current abortion laws and rights in the district? So D.C. is a city that has very permissive abortion policies. It is not a city that has restrictions for later term or third trimester abortions. Um, It does not have uh, many other restrictions at all. There are some funding restrictions about when funds can be used, federal funds and city funds can be used to fund abortion care. But for the most part, there is uh, wide access to abortion care in D.C. And now moving to Maryland, there's a new law, actually, that the General Assembly just passed. They actually overrode a veto by Governor Larry Hogan. It's called the Abortion Care Access Act. So what is this new law and you know, how might it relate to this new potential ruling from the Supreme Court? It's an incredibly interesting new law because what it does is it expands the pool of people who can provide abortion care. So rather than um, simply physicians being able to provide care, the act allows for people like nurse practitioners and midwives and physician assistants to provide uh, abortion care and training. And now to Virginia, of course, Um, what is its current law? Virginia does not have a trigger law in place, but it does have uh, restrictions on coverage for insurance policies. So, for example, public employees um, not being able to use their insurance in most cases for abortion. And then also has a restriction on minors access to abortion. So the parent of a minor has to be notified before the minor can obtain an abortion. And there's also limits on the use of public funds for abortion uh, in Virginia. 
We've seen a shifting political landscape in Virginia. So, you know, this last election gave Virginia a Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin and a divided General Assembly. You know, so if Roe is overturned and the states get to choose and, you know, in Virginia, if there's this push towards the right, could access to abortion be limited there as well? I think absolutely. Um, I think that Virginia is going to be very much in play in terms of more restrictions on abortion. However, I think the thing to think about, too, is the impact of the midterm elections now, right? Um, It seems very likely that the Supreme Court decision is going to be a galvanizing force for Democratic voters. So it could really impact things, you know, over the next couple of years, midterms and beyond in terms of mobilizing voters who care about this issue. And, you know, I think for some people who haven't been following abortion as closely as possibly you and other people who focus in on it, you know, they were kind of surprised. It was abrupt. This leaked, you know, that, whoa, this right, this access could be taken away like that. For someone like you have been working on this and studying this, what do you tell us people who are so surprised? I would say I told you so. <laughs> really? um, I, I think there are many of us who have been uh, warning of this for years. Um, I've actually had multiple, uh, actually former students reach out to me this week and say, I remember when you said this five years ago. And there, there's an aspect of, you know, particularly when we were talking about Supreme Court confirmation hearings, I think there was a dismissal of women as being hysterical around this issue. There's no way that Roe was going to go away. And we weren't, right? Roe did actually hang in the balance. When we said Roe was hanging in the balance, we meant it and we were right. Professor Jessica Waters, Dean of Undergraduate Education at American University and an expert on reproductive rights law. Jessica, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. And after the break, more and more people are getting bitten by a tick that could make them allergic to red meat. We talk with an entomologist about that and the arrival of a large yellow spider. If you want to save money and grow profits on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project, go with the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. You can trust the experience of its workforce, members who have expertise in heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and process piping to deliver work that's on time and on budget. For a partner you can trust who's mutually focused on your bottom line and to schedule, contact Steamfitters Local 602 at steamfitters-602.org. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download Podcast. Megan and I do this show all on our own, and we appreciate you making us a part of your day. If you like the show or have a suggestion, let us know by leaving a review or rating the show. Both of those things help us get better and help us grow our audience. Thanks again. There's a tick out there that if it bites you, it can make you allergic to red meat. University of Maryland professor of entomology Mike Raup joins us now on Zoom. Let's talk about this Lone Star tick and a large yellow spider expected to fall from the trees, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Okay. I I have to start with this. How much of a threat are these Lone Star ticks? Are we seeing many cases in our area? Yeah, you know, Megan, when I first started my job uh, way too many years ago to talk about, it was really the black-legged tick. We've seen kind of a shift over to a tick we call the Lone Star tick. Now, this is predominantly a southern tick, but we believe due to a warming world, climate change, that it's simply beginning now to extend its range further northward into places like Maryland. And it's Mm. actually become the most common tick we're finding from homeowners who have a tick on them, Mm. uh, 
being sent in for an ID. And in terms of the risk it poses, there's kind of good news and bad news here. The good news is the Lone Star is not a carrier or vector of Lyme disease. This one, however, carries some other pretty nasty bacteria. But the big news here, I think, the thing that everybody's concerned about is it does carry basically a protein that will cause a syndrome in people known as the alpha-gal syndrome. Now, Megan and Luke, this is the way it works. These particular ticks might be feeding on a wild animal, something like a, a raccoon or a skunk in their immature stages. It turns out that the muscle tissue of these wild animals have a carbohydrate molecule called alpha-gal for short. And as they feed on those animals, they will take in that particular carbohydrate. Mm. Now, guess what? Mm. Primates like us do not have that particular molecule in our body. So when that tick now lands on a human and bites the human, what do we do? We do what we always do. We mount an immune response to that molecule. Bad news, cows pigs, many of the red meat sources that we eat as part of our regular diet also contain that alpha-gal molecule. So as we ingest these food products, the, these red meat products, our body says, oh, look out, here it comes. And right. it mounts that immune reaction, which can be very, very severe. And if we get bitten or if someone gets bitten, is it a sure thing that they'll develop this allergic reaction to red meat? Absolutely not. Luke, great question. It's only a probably a very low uh, proportion of the actual ticks that carry this particular alpha-gal. So it certainly is not a guaranteed thing. Well, that goes to our reporting. We uh, last year talked to a little boy from Ashburn, Virginia named Abram, who was bit by a Lone Star tick, didn't realize it, of course, had it in his leg for a few days. And his yeah. mother shared, you know, they're so small. She said they were yeah. smaller than what we call deer ticks. Is that true? Well, the nymphs are. Uh, again, uh, the actually the black-legged tick is the smaller of the three very common ticks uh, that we're going to encounter. And those nymphs are quite small. They're the size of, a, of a, a grain of pepper. And that's why they're often missed. Good to know. Good to know. And shifting here a little bit to some good news in the world of insects. You know, we were expecting the arrival of a huge, big yellow spider. It's called the Juro spider. And we're now hearing that it actually won't be, you know, coming to our areas this spring, although there were some thoughts about it that happening. Can you tell us more? Yeah. Well, this particular spider, the Jaro, so it's been found in the Carolinas, in Tennessee, and several other southern states. So there is some concern that it may be able to expand up the eastern seaboard and perhaps one day arrive here in Maryland. Unfortunately, for those who really wanted to see this beautiful large spider, hey, I got some bad news for you. I doubt you're going to see it this year unless you go down to Georgia or the Carolinas. Yeah, I'm not too disappointed, Mike. I think this might <laughs> oh, be a, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's good news to me that we're not going to see this. You should see this thing. It's it's kind of beautiful, actually. I mean, it's very bright yeah. yellow. And it does, we should say, it would have killed those stink bugs, too, that we have Absolutely. here. Absolutely. But um, Abs I'm, I'm, I'm okay with waiting for its arrival. 
Well, you know, the upside of the spider also is the fangs are too small to even pierce human skin. Oh, that's good. So we don't have to worry there. It's not going to hurt humans or pets. And yeah, there really might be an upside of this spider once it does distribute more widely. And hey, when it gets here to the DMV. Mike Raub, the bug guy, he always knows everything when we ask him these kind of questions. Thanks, Luke and Megan. Great to see you guys again. Take care and stay safe out there. Avoid those ticks. So before we go, Megan has a surprising topic. It's a little surprising. I wanted to, I I was reading about these two new laws that are going into effect in D.C., and they were kind of interesting to me, so I thought I'd surprise you with one. The first is the Old People Are Cool Project. That's a law. That's, (laughs) it's a ceremonial resolution introduced by Mary Che. She is in her last term, and they've now designated May as the Old People Are Cool Month. To celebrate our seniors. I love that. Isn't That's that cool. funny. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a way to explore like ways that older adults can remain engaged in their community and age in place and kind of make it a, an initiative for totally. DC to think about, which is neat. Spread the wisdom, honestly. The other one is um, Council Member Brooke Pinto got initial approval on her bill that would let residents with certain medical conditions have access to bathrooms in private businesses. So if you're downtown on the mall and mm. you don't want to wait in the super long line and you're pregnant or you have some kind of, I don't know, irritable bowel. I hate to say that on our podcast, but I mean, this is a real thing. Totally. You could have like a pass basically to go into the local bagel shop or whatever and use their bathroom. Right. And not have to like buy like a $10 coffee or something. Yeah. And it's this is separate from the Public Restrooms Act that was, um, it's just now approved and they're getting all of these reports back on where to put these public restrooms. Nice. Um, and have you ever been to Europe and seen those little, they're almost like, telephone booths but you yeah. can't see through them yep and they're just kind of randomly placed and you can go in use the bathroom and leave wow but um so they're considering that i don't know it's it's a whole new world in public restrooms wow in you know dc I mean, <laughs> honestly a, a dire need on the national mall that place is a bathroom desert when you gotta go you gotta go <laughs> and that does it for us on the dmv download today we are sponsored by Steamfitters local 602 our protest audio today was from our reporter alejandro alvarez Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance, and follow us on social media where we post content every day from behind the scenes of our show. You can find out more about the podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at wtop.com, and on the WTOP News app. Have a good one.